Hi guys, welcome to episode four of Tic Tac Talk. I'm Candace. And I'm Rob. And this is actually our part two episode of our Android sabbatical series. And so it's kind of been a week since I kind of went on my Android sabbatical. But really quickly, I guess if anyone's skipped over the previous episode, Rob, you kind of want to explain what we've been doing? Sure. So the Android sabbatical is a week-long challenge, if you will, for our diehard Apple user, Candice, to switch to Android and try it out, uh, really get an appreciation for what Android has to offer in terms of productivity, user experience, and um, really all of the above. We wanted Candice to really get immersed in the Android operating system. Uh, Candice was using a OnePlus 2 this time, uh, the sandstone black or gray. Yep, sandstone black, black, and then the it's 64 gigabytes. 64 gigabyte on AT&T. Um, and I would like to note, and we will definitely talk about this later and give Candace some crap, but she, she cheated. Um, yeah, I'll admit it. I'm not afraid of admitting it. So the premise was <clears throat> I had to put my main and only SIM card for, from AT&T from my iPhone 6S Plus into the OnePlus 2. I gave up my iPad to our producer, so she locked it in her room. I still had my iPhone, and I'll say today's Thursday. I started the challenge last Thursday. I used my iPhone once at night on Tuesday to read up on Twitter. And then at Wednesday night, I got so sick of my OnePlus 2 that I moved the SIM card from my iPhone, or from the OnePlus back into my iPhone, and now I'm back on my iPhone. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Do you hear that? It sounds like pitchforks and, and torches. Um, you get an all show feedback to at Tech Tech Talk Show and me personally at Candace Poon on Twitter. I am a little little disappointed that you switched that early, um, just you know on principle. But let's get into it. I think five days is a pretty good way to tell. I want I want to say it's six and a half days. Did you continue to use it after Tuesday or Wednesday when you switched? Yeah, so I only switched Wednesday. Um, and then, so today was the last day of our challenge, really. So maybe five and a half days, six days at the most. All right. But I did get a full experience. Okay. Okay. That's good enough, I guess. Good enough for us to talk about it. So um, I guess just what were your first impressions or your impressions after having used it for the full, let's say, six days? So I guess it's a little bit harder for me to really distill my opinions of Android versus the OnePlus because I think a lot of my experiences are dependent on me using specific hardware versus mm-hmm. my thoughts on the operating system. Another big component about this challenge is since I'm on a OnePlus 2, I don't have access to the newest operating system. And I guess one big frustration and one thing I wouldn't like as an Android user is I had to go through a couple of pages of forum posts on OnePlus just to know when my phone would get a software update. Really? So I really wanted to get Marshmallow. I want to try a lot of the new features in Marshmallow. Didn't know. I had to do a Google search. It brought me to the OnePlus website, brought me into their forum, and all the information I got was Q1, possibly. That's all I said. So um, I'm just curious more than anything, but what features were you looking forward to in Marshmallow or that you wish you'd gotten to try out? So maybe we're, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but probably my favorite part of Android is Google Now and that integration into their services. I really wanted to try Google Now on tap, mm-hmm. which I know is a Marshmallow-only feature. Yeah, I think that's very interesting too. And um, I guess just as a little bit of an aside, but I have not seen a lot on the internet in terms of feedback on Now on Tap. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I would love to hear what somebody thought of it. Um, and not to say that I don't think people are using it. I I highly believe, or I very strongly believe people are. I just haven't heard a lot about it, and I'm very curious. It's still very in beta. It's almost like the first generation of Google Now that we saw, where there wasn't as many cards and it wasn't as enriching as an mm-hmm. experience. But I just wanted to try it. And for the longest time, I thought I had the newest software update. I kept trying to hold the home button, and I realized that I'm not running the newest, newest software. Yeah. For those listening, Candace had Android 5.1 Lollipop. So 
pretty pretty good on oxygen os so i'm not running cyanogen mod i'm running oxygen which is one plus one plus's variant of android mm -hmm. so you were saying google now is definitely one of your favorite features yeah, just to go through it, I think the biggest part was we were talking about how I'm kind of a Google girl living in an iPhone body and iPhone hardware services. And I really rely on a lot of the Google services. I love um, all my photos still being showed up in Google Photos. Google now just swiping and getting my cards. Um, I order a lot of things from Amazon, probably not surprisingly. And having all those cards show up for tracking shipments. I'm also a big NBA fan, so it's just seeing all my favorite sports teams show up and have scores without having to download an app or have to manually search it. I thought that was super powerful. Mm. I could see how, especially in a limited time uh, trial period, that would be especially helpful because you wouldn't want to download a ton of apps and deal with all that configuration too. Yeah, and I think we talked about it a couple of episodes ago too, but I think we're trying to minimize the amount of apps that we have on our phone and a lot of the core services that we use will start to expand more in its reach, kind of like we were talking about like Facebook Messenger, mm -hmm. kind of being able to do things like, like Venmo or even like calling an Uber. I want that kind of integration with main services. Mm, definitely. I feel like Google now is a great uh, bastion of that idea. Yeah, and it was nice to experience the full vision of what Google wants for it because there is a Google Now app, or kind of Google Now functionality built into the Google iOS app, but it's not as immersive and it's not as easy to access. Yeah, absolutely. I think what Google Now brings and then the browser support too is something that iOS really needs to, uh, it really should aspire to do with that breadth and ease of use really anywhere you go. So. Um, we made a short list of things to go through. Do you want to get going on that? Yeah, sure. Um, so once again, I will try to make sure that I'm able to separate my experience with Android overall versus my experience with the OnePlus. Truthfully, I probably have more negative, say, more negative things to say about the OnePlus versus Android because I think overall Android is really great, and I wish I was on a more Nexus experience. But um, I'll try to make sure that I um, distinguish them. Certainly. Much appreciated. Um, so maybe the first thing was just calendar tasks and reminders. So I didn't switch away to Google, um, away to the Google services that You're much. You're still on, um, what is it, Tasker? Or, um, I was using, I'm still using, yeah, so luckily Todoist is on, available. I'm a big Google calendar, but I had to switch away from Fantastic Hell since it's unavailable. I mean, it set a couple of reminders and it did show up in my Google calendar, which was nice. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a big fan of the Google calendar app though. Really? I didn't think it had split it intuitively and it was hard to move around. I also thought that the app was just kind of ugly. Really? It wasn't as material as I would have liked. Hmm. And even with the widget that you recommended on my home screen, um, I actually downloaded a third party one, which I found a little bit more beautiful. You didn't like the pictures from Google, um, I guess Google Street View is the right word for it now, of the buildings and stuff like that. I thought that was super cool. That was really nice. And I like how contextual it gets where I can add in all this metadata and it helps me craft my day. Um, that's totally fine. The functionality is fine. It's just something about the coloring or the way that the calendar interacted and the ways you swipe between events and stuff just seemed very, very laggy. Mm. I don't know how to feel like. I felt like there was like an artificial layer. I think that's a common theme between my whole experience with the phone itself. I always felt like there was almost this barrier that slowed me down. Actually, I think I can better understand what you're saying right now. Um, I know when I switched from Android to iOS, the colors on my Google Calendar, when they like got... Um, for lack of a better word, translated mm -hmm. to the um, Apple Calendar application, the colors became much more muted and less vibrant. And I could imagine if you set your calendar up initially on an iPhone and yeah. then had it go over, it's, it's just not how you set it up. And um, it is displeasing, maybe not visually, but you know, it's not how you wanted it. Yeah, and I just had a hard time navigating. I'm also very spoiled by Fantastic Cal's uh, natural quick adding of events. I'm able to do like really, really natural language processing with the phone. 
uh, with my iPhone and with the Google Calendar one, it's not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it's still the same syncing engine. It's still the same service that I really relied on. So I never had any service issues. It just wasn't my favorite calendar app. Hmm. Fair enough. But it, it was functionally good, everything like that? Yeah, that was totally fine. A calendar was fine. Todoist also um, was totally fine on Android. I think, once again, I think it displayed and it was swiping and completing tasks on the Todoist version was a little bit nicer. And I was a little bit upset because Todoist just released a new iOS version <laughs> with some new features, like the 3D Touch and stuff. And for oh. a whole week, I wasn't able to use it. So back on my iPhone now, I now have the ability to quickly add new tasks. Um, the, from the Force Touch? With 3D Touch, yeah. So I'm happy. That, that was one of the main reasons why I switched back. I was like, I have to try it because I've been waiting for them to update it for so long. So that was a big part. Wow. Well, I'm glad you finally get to try it. So moving forward, um, it sounds like we might have touched on this a lot already, but the, the digital assistant, Google mm-hmm. Now, um, I know you use the cards a lot. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of that different interface? Because um, I guess Siri is starting to get more of that functionality with the smart screen on the left-hand side, but... Um, Google now is really taking that to a whole new level, you know, the breadth of information that they gather and aggregate into that feed. Um, what was your, you meant touched upon it already, but yay, nay, uh, better or worse? As a whole, the Google voice assistant and voice dictation is miles ahead of Siri. That's mm-hmm. probably another reason why I love Android. That's like the one big thing. It's just voice dictation and the command to activate Google. Um, when my home screen was locked or on my home screen, so much more consistent, so much happier. It was actually very reliable where I used it every morning uh, to set really? a timer when I used a French press. I usually never do that with my phone, with my iPhone, because most of the time I'm just yelling loudly in the morning, getting cranky <laughs> about it. That was, it was very consistent. So you would say, okay, Google, and then use the timer and everything? Yep, like, oh, set a timer for three minutes, it would set it, um, or okay, Google, tell me about the weather and stuff. Did you try sending a Facebook message through Google now? No, I should have said that. Said that in no, the I have not yet. I didn't do that. That's one of my favorite parts. If you're like driving along, um, I have some friends who almost exclusively use Facebook Messenger. So on my iPhone, you know, I can text people with Siri, but I can't Facebook message them. So yeah. I'm in a way cut off. But with Google now, I can say, okay, Google, send a Facebook message to XYZ. And that is something I absolutely love. And that extensibility and openness that they have with Google now, um, I think that's really powerful. And I'm, I regret not inform you that earlier yeah like maybe that's the one thing i would really wish we'd take you know they would take from android is almost like um like plugins to go into siri and really integrate because i would love to say like add to my todoist list or add to fantastical and stuff like that too and at one point i remember they promised that siri would be more open but they also promised that facetime would be more open too like the apis would be open (laughs) and that's never really happened yeah they love to keep it closed up but we'll see you know yeah who knows they did act in they did improve the sharing with the share cards, so I'm I have some hope. Yeah, like reading some of the stuff that Federico Vatici writes on Mac Stories about how that he's able to use all these extensions and do all this stuff is really interesting. I haven't done it as much, mm. but I hope they expand it. Those are the two big things, probably like iMessage, FaceTime, and Siri. I wish they would just open it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so going off of that, we kind of hit on this too, actually, but the messaging experience. So Similar, I'm, better, indifferent? I'm one of those people that you've alluded to, I'm mainly a Facebook Messenger person. So most of my big circles, my groups of friends, and people that I just message individually, even my mom, we all use Facebook Messenger. Really? Really not much of a difference in the experience. Um, the only thing is I send a lot of temporary photos. And so I, yes. I take photos with my phone, but I don't want to save it to my camera roll. Sometimes it's just a picture of a shirt I want to get or checking if I'm buying the right thing. I use that quick feature, or that quick photo feature on Facebook Messenger. Didn't like it. 
on Android, I think it's because it was just the camera on the OnePlus 2. Mm-hmm. I got way too many blurry photos I just couldn't use, and I just stopped using it altogether. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a limitation of Android. I think it was the OnePlus 2. On, on the note of messaging, I have to note, um, the Google, not the default SMS application, but if you download, I think it's called Messenger, the blue and white icon, that one has the option to take pictures and not save them to the camera roll, which I thought was so awesome. That made it one of my favorite texting apps. That's something I would I wish iMessage would copy because not saving the photo is so helpful, you know? Yeah. How many times you just be like, I'm here, I take a picture of the location, or, or you want to buy something, you know? It's a picture you don't want to save, but I it's thought helpful. that was a feature if you hold down the camera button on the messaging app in iOS. Really? So you know how you can, like, if you click it once, it shows you that little, your camera roll? If you click and hold it, it's a quick it's a quick photo or a quick video. I think it came out with iOS iOS 8. It definitely is not new this year. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. We're investigating it right now. So Robert is holding and he's taking a picture of himself and he sent it. And now he's going to go into his camera roll and see if the phone saved. Wow. That's it really did not cool. save. I was right. Sorry for the weird picture, Selena. <laughs> Selena's our producer and now she's received a, a selfie of Robert wow. over podcasting. You just changed my life. <laughs> so it's a cool feature, yeah. Um, the only other feature is I only know one person who relies on Google Hangouts. I use the Google Hangouts app to yeah. uh, message and even do a voice call. I think it's really interesting how Google puts so many features into uh, the messaging app, but not as many into Hangouts almost. And maybe that's because of how wide Hangouts is, so it's harder to deploy a feature across all platforms. But it, it's almost like they push you to use the Messenger app for a lot of things. Like with, they have the sticker support, in, well, maybe that's in the Hangouts, but... Um, I know the temporary photos, and there were some other things that were like, you could embed YouTube videos and stuff in the way it would oh, display. Really? So I think that's very interesting on their platform strategy, but yeah, I really like that message. Yeah, it's weird. So like, what does like what does Google ideally want their consumers to use on Android for in terms of SMS? Do they want everything to go through Hangouts or everything through their, and like their baked-in Android messaging app? My assumption is Hangouts. I've heard from users. Um, I haven't got this to work for myself, but you can get your texts on your laptop through Hangouts. Okay. Did you get that to work? No, I haven't. But I've seen that, and there's like other experiences that you can do like with Push Bullet and stuff, mm-hmm. right? You do the texting that way. So because of that and the integration with um, Gmail, Google Calendar, you know, that Google Voice, too. That was a big yeah. one, right? They're rolling a lot of the Google Voice calling through Hangouts itself. So that makes me think they want that, but it's not 100% clear like it is on iOS. Yeah, I that I don't like. I want to know what the company I'm using the phone wants me to yeah. use. I right? do wish they would consolidate those, but they are both pretty solid apps in themselves. Oh, one big thing I totally forgot about what I miss about Marshmallow, or I'm not sure if it's an update through the operating system, is I don't have any of the new emojis. And so I'm not sure if any Android users out there have the same problem, but since iOS rolled out the newest series of emojis, I got a lot of boxes with X's in them, and I didn't know what the emoji was. Yeah, that's really weird. I'm not sure if that's a keyboard issue or if that's an OS issue, to be honest with you. I believe it is an, um, like a keyboard. Like it's, it's an OS update and stuff. And like once again, like manufacturers choose when they're going to roll out the simple update for updating emojis. I wish it was like some type of service pack or something through the Google Play Store. Couldn't get it, and I'm like dependent on OnePlus deciding I finally get to get them. Emojis are a key part of the smartphone experience, and I'm, I'm disappointed to say we did not include it as one of our bullets, so I apologize to I you. I sent emojis, and they <laughs> I know they had the equivalents, but they looked way different than the iOS ones, but I had fun with them too. The, the yellow faces themselves, yeah. instead of just being round heads, like this blob guy, I love him. I wish, you would, I wish you would come to iOS. Yeah. So how was the email experience? I, there's a lot to be said about the native Gmail app. 
I think it was good. I like it definitely better than the iOS version. It felt a lot faster and the gestures felt more natural and stuff. Um, I don't do much truthfully. I always want to imagine that I'm a power user of email on my smartphone. Most of the time when I'm writing a long email, I want to write it in Markdown. I have default signatures. I do it all through the browser. So I don't do anything more than read the email and archive it. You write your emails in Markdown? Yeah, if I have to write longer like emails to clients and stuff like that too, I like to embed links and I like to do bulleted lists. I have a couple of plugins in Safari that converts Markdown into the HTML to send off. Very cool. That's interesting. So, but as a mobile experience, um, I'm curious, did you download Outlook so you get like a one-to-one comparison? No, I haven't. I wanted to get the pure Gmail experience because mm-hmm. if I had a choice, I would use the Gmail experience on the iPhone if it was a little bit less delayed or less of a just a web experience. Yeah, that's fair. I completely agree with that. They're definitely not giving it the uh, the breadth and the power it has on, G- on Gmail for Android. And I was really worried when Mailbox was going to go away. I wasn't using Mailbox, but I don't want to fall into, I don't want to become dependent on a small company making my email client when a lot of the features are reliant on server-side processing. Mm-hmm. So th- once again, theoretically, I don't want to rely on iOS mail because it takes months and months before a software update comes out to update it. Yeah. And I don't want to rely on a startup for email because if they get bought out or shut down, like AKA Mailbox, then you're kind of screwed over too. So that's why I'm on uh, Outlook right now. I want to kind of go back to um, iOS mail at this point because I just don't want to invest. But I'm still looking for the best mail app. It's like a hard thing to balance. Mm. To, uh, for your iPhone mail search, I have to say the iOS mail app, the peak and pop of messages is actually probably one of the most useful implementations of the peak and pop. Does the peak and pop, when you peek into it, does it mark it as red or is it still marked as it's unread? It's still unread, which is Oh, okay, part. that's cool. So you can just get like a little samples like, is this even worth opening now? It's like, ah, nah. Oh, like I, maybe I might start using it. I think the main reason right now while I'm in school is I need aliases mm-hmm. in uh, Outlook. Right yeah. now, iOS doesn't have that. That's 100% true. I had to decouple all my email addresses, my RPI one as its own entity. But I have to say, it works pretty good most of the time. I don't have a problem. And when I get emails to it, it automatically responds with the RPI one. So okay. I have a lot less messages sent um, from my Gmail accidentally. So it's not bad. But okay. um, that is... A very fair point, and Outlook does that a lot better, and Gmail on Android phones handles a lot better as well. The one big thing about Peek and Pop, though, I just want to mention, I'm really excited about going back to my iPhone, was Narwhal, which is my favorite Reddit client, just got updated with 3D Touch. So you can 3D Touch on the home icon on your iPhone and go to your top posts. I think you can search and something else, too. But the best part is when you're going through the feed, mm-hmm. um, you can Peek and Pop. So are you using Peek and Pop now? I am. I'm actually really excited about the Reddit one because that's how I kind of browse Reddit as well. Most of them are image links. I peek and pop, see if it's worth reading. The only difference is it does mark it as red. Oh, I wish you would not do that. But yeah, that's really cool. I appreciate that feature a lot. Um, And actually, there are some Android phones where I know it's been um, either they can get something like it to work Mm -hmm. or they have implemented it uh, to some degree. I think there's a Huawei phone. And there was a Sony phone Um, because it was waterproof. They could actually measure pressure on the screen because it was like airtight. So it'll be interesting to see when that comes to Android. Yeah, and probably the one, my one other favorite thing about Android using it is they have the best Reddit experience. I'm only getting excited about Narwhal right now because the only thing we've ever gotten is Alien Blue and iOS, and that I don't like it at all. Mm-hmm. So when Narwhal came out and has the split screen support for both iPad and iPhone 6 Plus, I was like giddy with joy. <laughs> but I was using Reddit, I think it's Reddit Sync Pro. I bought it a long time ago. Um, and it was an awesome experience. It was mm-hmm. super intuitive, it was super fast and really reliable. 
It even displayed Markdown, which I know right now uh, Narwhal has a hard time displaying. Mm-hmm. But Reddit on Android is so on point. Yeah, that is very true. The Reddit apps for Android, I feel, are some of the best. Actually, though, the best Android app I've ever had, ever, was on Windows Phone. Oh, really? Yeah, they had a phenomenal Android Reddit app. It was so good. What's it called? Oh, it's been so long now. Um, I think I'm still subscribed to it, actually, on my Reddit. I have to look, but... Um, it had this swiping thing, so you could just go through posts super quick. I loved it. It was really good. Um, I should have my phone and use it just as a Reddit reader. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird because usually the experiences, like most of my experiences with like Twitter, um, usually mail and stuff, I've always enjoyed the iOS experience more. Um, but on Android, I just love it. I remember the first time I, y- I used Reddit on my HTC Inspire, and I was just amazed by the experience. It was so much easier and faster and more reliable and loading its images. And, um, and I think the, right now my biggest uh, my biggest beef with Narwhal, even though it's my favorite client, doesn't display Markdown. <laughs> so like if I'm following the NBA and they do a chart of all the NBA players and stuff like that too, it looks like a giant garbled mess. Wow. Yeah, that's incredibly annoying. I wish they Narwhal would get on that, but they're making some solid progress and probably 3D the best client touch. Right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> you guys, if you guys haven't tried it, I think Narwhal is currently free or a couple of dollars totally worth it if you're sick of alien blue mm-hmm. so we've talked about this a little bit actually now we've done a good job leading into the next category as we go along the general ui and ux of android the material design mm-hmm. the uh, back buttons the home button the multitasking bar what did you feel did you felt it made you um and i, I don't i'm less interested in so much what you think you know is prettier that's definitely a very opinionated question, but yeah. do you feel it was equally as conducive to productivity on your phone, or do you think it was more of a hindrance? Um, take it into account, of course, that it was just a new experience in general, so it was a lot yeah. to learn. Because um, that's, you know, of course it's going to be a learning yeah. curve. I think I'm a big fan of material design overall. Um, as my other major is design and marketing and stuff, and so we, under, we, we learn really basics of UI and stuff like that too. So I think the logic and the deep thinking that the material you can tell is very, very good, and I really appreciate it. Overall, the UI UX has been a lot better than my previous experiences, and this is the closest thing I could get to plain Android, and it wasn't that obtrusive. So I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. There were still apps, though, uh, made by third parties usually that I felt like didn't follow those conventions, or once again, just felt like they had this layer in between me as a user and that as experience. Um, I just didn't really like it. It didn't seem as intuitive. Yeah, I, I think Android's design, um, I, I, from a visual perspective, has gotten loads and loads better. And I think the transitions are very obvious. And I think from a general user's perspective, it's actually a more intuitive design than iOS is now yeah. in a lot of ways because of the swiping. Um, and there's a logic between what they do for the movement, whereas iOS, even that gesture to go back home, it's like the icon, like you fall back into the icons. It's yeah. cool, but I've turned it off personally because I just don't like it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And the backwards swipe gesture, um, which I think is a very smart move and makes it very easy on bigger devices to get back and forth, is not that intuitive. And I think, you know, for people who aren't power users, they'll be like, how do I get back? So they'll be stuck reaching up all the way to the top to that back button, whereas Android, you have that all right at the bottom. Um, Now, that said, if you know the swipe, it can be a better experience than Android. But I think Android makes those cues very obvious. And I I think we're starting to see more of a... um, a switch where Android could potentially be the more intuitive. 
in yeah, some ways. definitely. And just, um, I really appreciate the small little things that I could chase the customizability, which is I think the biggest also benefit to Android. But I actually reprogrammed the back end. I think the multitasking buttons. Usually the back buttons on the left hand side, but usually um, the phone is in my right hand, and my hand is too small to hit that button. Oh. So within <laughs> the operating system, I switched the position, which I think drove people nuts. Like other yeah. people who have never used Android assume that the button on the left did it. And they're like, why is it like that? Why is it like that? I only did it for my own personal use. I actually never did the, um, I never used the multitasking button mm-hmm. to quit apps. Um, I just never do it. I know there's a button to even quit all the apps, but from my own experiences as an iOS, app, like iOS user, I just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So Better for the battery, right? Yeah, like I know in iOS, you're not supposed to quit the app. There's a lot of, should we call them muggles? There's a lot of there's a lot of normal people out there who don't follow technology news and they consciously double press the home button and then quit all their apps. But truthfully, it's actually ruining their battery life yeah. whether they're improving it. So I'm not that sure if it's the same way on Android. I know there's utilities Muggles. to clear up the RAM and stuff like that too. But I would hope at this point in 2016 that Android is self-sufficient enough to do it on its own. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think it's interesting to know, I was just looking this up, Samsung also switches the position of the back button and the multitasking button. So that's really interesting, actually, that you chose to do the exact same pattern as what they do. And I think, I think they're the only Android OEM that does that. So that's really interesting. So I appreciate that OnePlus lets you change it. And true, so I appreciate, like, I wish the buttons were universal so you could have it either way and then your muscle memory dictates it. I don't like how Samsung forces you to do it, even though it aligns with my own usage. <laughs> because from a UX perspective, from the, like, if you want to go back in time chronologically, like, left is the past, right yeah. is future. Like, Samsung shouldn't force this. You know, it's what you want. Yeah, you, they don't want to force <laughs> this reversal of how you think about time, right? Yeah, that's really a good point. Um, I just think it's incredibly interesting that you chose to do that. So, um, in, you know, on one hand, it is human-centered, though, because it's much more convenient for a human. If they were a righty. If they're alrighty, but that is the majority, right? Right? Ha, ha. Uh, I would rather if I was, <laughs> so I like Android's main strength is customizability. Yeah. I would rather than all the OEMs allow you to customize it. And the other thing too is the cool thing about the OnePlus and I think other Android phones is you can actually just choose not to use buttons on at all and just use on-screen buttons. That's actually only, to my knowledge, a OnePlus feature. OnePlus oh, really? is the only one that allows you to reprogram those buttons. Oh, well, that's not true. I think CyanogenMod lets you as well, mm-hmm. but in terms of like stock Android or forks of Android, yeah. this is one of the very few that actually enables that. So oh, okay. OnePlus is bringing some, uh, some pretty custom features with that one. And that's interesting. Most yeah. people are like Samsung where they predetermine it for you. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one big thing. I, I'm not sure if I was weird for reprogramming it, but I'm, the phone's usually in my right hand. I like to use my phone one-handed, and now I'm pretty comfortable having a really big phone because I'm always on a 6 Plus, mm-hmm. but I had to reprogram it. Um, no, that's awesome that you could do that. So that really speaks to Android's customizability. Yeah, I love that. Hmm. Very good. So last thing, uh, we got, I think, five. We can just route through these really quick. The battery life, good, about the same, worse. So much better than my previous Android experiences on an HTC phone or on my, my HTC One and on my uh, Galaxy S3. Couldn't last through a whole day without a charge. Uh, this one was actually, it was fine. Uh, a couple of days in the week where I hit around 7 o'clock and I hit under 20%. And so I had a battery and everything too. It's not as good as my iPhone, but I feel like my iPhone is the one anomaly. 
but I think they've done a much better job of power management and stuff. Because I remember Android phones used to drain like crazy. Yeah, the 4G wasn't good for them. And it's really a shame you didn't have uh, Marshmallow, because with that new Doze feature, I heard that's very effective in preserving battery life. The one thing I did notice is in the morning, I usually browse on my phone for like about a half an hour before I add it to bed. On my iPhone normally, it doesn't go usually under 97% for whatever I do. When I was on my Android phone, it got down to about 90% hmm. when I was doing my morning routine of checking you know, feeds and stuff. Interesting, interesting. And for those who don't know, Doze is a new feature on Android Marshmallow that, uh, I'm not sure what the, checks notifications much less frequently when your phone is not moving and not in use. So if you put it down on a table, your battery life will stay very consistent um, and standby times have been very, very good with that. So the fingerprint reader, how good was it? Good was it? At first, I was really excited. Um, I was able to program it quite successfully, and the first couple times I've used it, um, it was totally fine. It was very responsive. Um, I programmed it for my both of my thumbs and both of my pointer fingers, which is what I did with my iPhone. Over the course of the week, I've realized that it's not as fast as my iPhone 6s Plus, which I know mm-hmm. is known for having a very fast fingerprint reader. Uh, but multiple times, just with my left hand when I was trying to unlock it it would take two or three tries before I would get through. Hmm. So I'm not sure if that is, once again, hardware or the um, operating system. I want to say it's hardware because I've heard that the new Nexus phones have very, very fast and accurate fingerprint readers. So more of a mixed bag. I prefer the one on my iPhone because I've had better results. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to blame OnePlus on this. Well, it's probably fair. I mean, the OnePlus 2 is older as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of makes sense. Uh, the Play Store, how do you think it's stacked up in terms of app quality and ease of use? Did you try downloading some apps from the browser? That was very nice. I did for, um, So I downloaded Dash Clock, my Reddit client, and all that stuff through the browser. It's nice not having to type everything in. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a little bit to realize where the setting was, though, because it automatically puts the icon on your home screen, and I was trying to yeah. do a system and stuff, and it took me, I went through all the system preferences on my Android phone, not realizing it was a Play Store option. <laughs> so I turned that off, which was finally very, very good, because it was annoying me so much throughout the week. But overall, the selection's pretty good. There's pretty good parity at this point. Um, I'm just, I think I'm fortunate where I'm just reliant on some apps that are iOS reliant, and so there's not a counterpart, but I'm not going to make that as a, a minus on the Play Store because that's a conscious decision by the developers. Mm-hmm. But overall, like their main apps like Twitter and stuff like that too, they seem like they have very good and loyal following. So Play Store overall is very yeah. good. Comparable to the App Store in most cases. Yeah. How about the Play Services? Did you use those a lot? Play Newsreader, Play Music, uh, Play Movies, any other ones? I'm play, I use Play Music. Uh, play Do you music. play with them? I played with Play Music because <laughs> I have my whole iTunes library synced up. So mm-hmm. oh, the one thing we didn't mention was I was mainly using Apple Music. I got kind of a buy to use that. The experience actually isn't that bad. And the funny thing is I think that the Android and the iOS experience of Apple Music are comparable where they're both mediocre, but they're the same level of mediocre, <laughs> which is funny, right? Because yeah. Apple making an iOS app the same level as their Android app is hilarious. That is really funny. I have heard good things about that app, though. And as Apple's first app on Android, that's it's nice to see that they're finally branching out and acknowledging Android as an equal platform. It's almost like they're acknowledging that it, it is as big as Windows. I think, truthfully, they just took the Beats Music app and slapped on a new coat of paint. I don't think they rebuilt it from that's scratch. Fair. That's yeah. totally so it's fair. Good, it's good that they acknowledge Android as a platform and they kept it and didn't remove it from the store because they probably want the most number of subscribers. At this point, if you're on Android, I don't... I don't have a good reason for you to actually use Apple Music because because yeah. Google Play is there, uh, YouTube Red, and then Spotify is such a great option. I only did it because financially I'm on a family plan, yeah. so it was a lot easier. That's to do the that only way. reason I can think of. If you're paying less through a family plan or you already have it and are coming from an iPhone. Yeah, exactly. 
Did you miss some of the integrations that the iPhone offers with the Mac? I know you have your 15-inch MacBook Pro. Did you miss like the the handoff and the continue or continuity? So it was a kind of a weird experience because last week I actually was in the process of selling my iPad and I mm-hmm. sold it a day after I shipped my iPad. The day after I started my Android sabbatical. So at one point I had really only one core Apple product that I was using daily. Hmm. Um, but Did once you... again, I think I kind of cheated on the Android sabbatical because I didn't oh, fully turn off iMessage. Oh, Candace. And that was just the main concern if people had to reach me. And it, the iMessage wouldn't go through. So I did <laughs> iMessage on my computer a little bit. I didn't miss um, being able to do it for my phone and on my computer. But mm-hmm. I could have downloaded something like Push Bullet. Do, do you count that as cheating, Rob? I'm, I'm, my, I'm hanging my head right now for those not listening. No. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's reasonable, I suppose, if, you don't, if there's an important message. But uh, yeah, I think that speaks to the integration. And, you know, you yeah. didn't certainly miss it. In the same way that you know, it's so obvious with iOS, and not to say it can't be done with Android, but it's not baked in so natively. So that's yeah. I didn't want to consciously to have to download both like a Chrome extension or a Mac app, and then set it up on my phone. And then when I was using Push Bullet on my Galaxy S3 last year, it was a little bit inconsistent and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. So I totally believe it's it's a pretty good experience. I think everyone deserves to have that kind of handoff experience. Yeah, but. That's the problem with, you know, third-party versus first-party hardware in a lot of cases, and software. Yeah, to, like, fully live in that ecosystem of what Google wants, you'd have to use a Chromebook and load those Android apps and Mm -hmm. have your Android phone, and then, God forbid, have an Android tablet to kind of live in that. (laughs) Um, It's weird. Maybe a different show topic, but I sold my iPad about a week ago, and I shipped it off, and it's... I won't, it's the same feeling I get with having an Apple Watch. I'm not sure if we're kind of diving off topic, but really quickly, it's the same feeling where I don't... I can't describe strongly about why everyone should get one, an Apple Watch or an iPad, but when it's not in my life, I definitely feel the void. Mm. I have a lot to say about the Apple Watch, and I'm afraid to get into this because um, I have a lot of thoughts, but I have very mixed feelings about the Apple Watch as well. I actually disagree with you. I don't feel like everybody should have one, but I definitely agree with you on the messaging side of things. I think that's a very nice convenience, and um, you know, while truly in some cases, like, oh, well, your phone's just in your pocket, it's nice. And I think that's a lot of the reasons why people have pushed for its Facebook Messenger, that cross-platform experience, yeah. and the ability to share things. Um, and now the integrations are huge. So it is a shame that Google is making it, um, or has not been able to make it as simple as it is for iOS and Mac users. But that said, um, I think we're in agreement that the features are there, so it's not so much a feature parity, it's just maybe a user experience issue. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you, Rob. Okay, okay. And the last thing, um, and this is something I think that Google has had as a strength for a very long time, and I think it's still their strongest thing, but the notifications experience in Google. Did you appreciate that, or what, did you find it, um, was that part of your workflow on Google services? Were you constantly using notifications and swiping down for more info, using the custom actions? Did you, how did you feel about them? Yeah, I definitely use them. Truthfully, I think me using them a little bit more caused me to use them more on my iOS device as well. <laughs> so the main thing was That's getting email checking to see what the subject line and what the first three lines and then archiving if needed, things like that, and swiping away. I think my one big quirk, which I'm not used to, is there's no built-in like red bubble of notification. True, that's true. So like aside from the no- notification shelf, if I accidentally dismiss all of my notifications, I still don't know if I have things in Messenger, which I'm not used to. And I know a lot of people don't like the red dots and they turn them off, but I really rely on knowing what I have unread 
But the overall experience of swiping down the drawer and even that gesture of two fingers swiping down to get to your quick settings, um, I was trying to do that a couple of times on my iPhone. So I had to <laughs> kind of relearn the gesture of swiping back up to hit uh, control center. Yeah, that's something I think that they nail hands down. Um, but iOS has come a long way with the archive options too. So that's interesting. I'm, I'm happy to hear your perspective. And um, there's yeah. yeah, their notification drawer and that's. Uh, that panel to change your settings, I think was really, really well done. Mm -hmm. And I was really glad to see that they had the rotation lock built in, because I think I was using a version of Android long enough ago where they didn't have it. You'd download a third party, or you'd, I had, at one point I had to go to like a forum to find out how I could turn off screen rotation lock. Now it's finally, like I guess, baked in as a setting. Were you able to customize those settings? I can't remember if you can or not on Oxygen OS. I didn't try to. Okay. The only one I really use is either Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and rotation lock. Same okay. thing on my iPhone as well. But it was super easy to do it, and I was always. And now I'm on my iPhone, I'm taking the two fingers and swiping <laughs> down and getting nothing, and becoming very yeah. disappointed. I feel like that is more intuitive because having a swipe up and a swipe down is kind of a little janky. And I can tell you, like, I've always tried to swipe up sometimes, but if you're in like a document or a body of text, yeah, that drives or, me nuts. Or on the keyboard, you can't swipe up without typing messages. It's so frustrating. Yeah, like most of the time you just send garbled messages on Messenger and people are yeah. like, what? And you're like, like, oh, I'm just trying to crack my <laughs> Wi-Fi. Sorry. <laughs> just trying to lower the brightness. Sorry, folks. <laughs> huh. Well, that's good. I, um, I think it's really interesting to hear your perspective as such a longtime iOS user and, you know, appreciate some things, but also harp on differences that I wouldn't have originally thought of, but you bring a really good perspective to it. Um, I think it's interesting to see, too, the different appreciations and um, hearing your impression from years past on Android, it sounds to me, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, at least in your eyes, Android has come a long way, and I'm not going to say, you know, it's your favorite mobile experience, but mm -hmm. you seem more, um, what's the right word, more um, impressed with the feature set and more yeah. appreciative would be safe, fair to say? I think every single year since I've had my iPhone, there's always been this itch to switch to Android for a certain period of time. And for, I think, the couple, the first couple of early years, it was just out of curiosity because I never had the experience. I think it kind of subsided a little bit more towards the middle when I had an iPhone 4 and 5. And then right when they started really picking up the UI design with material and things like that, too, and unifying it, and having companies really invest in the ecosystem, it's kind of rekindled back where I love seeing what the new flagship Android phones are, just to imagine that reality where I was using that type of device. Definitely. And so I think it really hit, hit a one peak when I was on the HTC One M7. I love the hardware design of that phone, and I love HTC as manufacturer. But I think overall, I think my opinions of Android are getting stronger. I think I'm more appreciative, and I love, I've love i always loved Google as a service company. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see what they do. Definitely, definitely. And I couldn't agree more. I think what they're doing now, um, since they've hit Lollipop, it's been really great. And I have to say, innovation-wise, um, not saying it all sticks, but the stuff that command comes out of Android and their manufacturers is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious to see what happens, especially with Samsung uh, and LG, kind of like what we touched upon last time should be super interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with Android in the new year. Like, I want to do a sabbatical, you know, three years, five years down the line and have less and less on my list of things of why I couldn't switch. Yeah, very interesting. All right, was well, that it for you? Yep, that's all. All right, well, thank you already for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please rate us five stars on iTunes and please send us your feedback either in the comments section, tweet us at Tic Tech Talk Show, or email us at Tic Tech Talk Show at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm rrusso44, and Candice is at Candice Poon. Our show is also available in addition to iTunes on Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. And I'd like to give our producer, Selena, a shout-out again for helping us produce another great show. And that'll be all for me. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you. Bye.